0: It is so great to be with you. Why don't we take a minute and give some love to all the campuses and to everyone who is joining us online and uh, through Facebook Live. Can we do that right now? Just put your hands together. Love each other. Amen. Don't you guys love this time of the year? This is such a fun time for me. It's Christmas and New Year's season. For me, uh, it has such a special uh, weight, weightiness to it. Not because Just because it's Jesus' birthday and we celebrate the gift of life, but for me personally, it was on a Christmas Eve in 1989 uh, that the Lord really, I was at a Christmas Eve service in a 600-year-old in a, in a cathedral in, in Germany that, that I sensed the presence of God in an, in an unmistakable way. Uh, way for really probably the first time. And it was just two months later in, in February of 1990 that I gave my heart to Christ. So Christmas Eve has always been a big deal. This time of the year has always been a big deal as I recognize and remember, as, as Pastor Doug mentioned a couple minutes ago, that the day, what it was like the day before I gave my heart to Christ and how my life has changed since then. Isn't that, isn't that an amazing thought and, and, and memory? Come on. Yeah, it's awesome for all of us have experienced that's really great. And the other thing about Christmas, and again, you guys, you got to admit, you know, here in South Louisiana and the Gulf Coast, the other thing about Christmas is the food. I mean, I've been wearing stretchy pants since Thanksgiving. My jeans are like stretchy now. I mean, it's just like you just kind of eat your way through December around here. It's awesome. And you can do it without guilt at Church of the King because we got 21 days of fasting coming up in January. Come on, y'all help me. This is awesome. Awesome. Oh, and, and I heard that Sansa belts are coming back, and they're making them again. I'm thinking about getting some, man. You just head in for round two with those things. Those things are awesome. If you're under 40, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about, but Google it. They're pretty cool. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we just, just kind of tear it up. Don't look at me with those judgmental kind of holy. Look, you know you're sitting at that Christmas party, and that plate with all those you know, pralines and the brownies and the fudge and all that stuff, and the Christmas cookies comes around. You know, those little peanut butter cookies with the Hershey's Kisses on there or the peanut butter, and you just go, God bless Pastor Steve in 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm going in again. Come on. Isn't that right? Yeah, I know. I know. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. My wife goes, honey, this is getting out of control. You have got to get back in the gym. I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, honey, you have got to get in shape. And I said, back me up on this, guys, Round is a shape. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Come on. That's right. Man, I love this time of the year. I love Christmas. I love especially being with you guys this weekend. And, you know, the, the, it's such a natural season for introspection. And, and uh, a lot of us take time to look back at the past year. How did it go? How did 2018 wind up for us, you know, kind of evaluate and uh, make some adjustments and and, and really looking forward into the next year, we're beginning to plan and dream and set some goals and really ca- kind of catch some vision uh, for what God wants to do. And for some of us, that's a fun, exciting time. For others, maybe not so much. But it, with 21 days of prayer and fasting beginning next week, it's a perfect time to begin to approach the Lord with our, with our plans and our goals and dreams and just get some clarity and direction from the Lord for 2019. How many of you guys are excited about that? Amen. Absolutely. And, you know, the Bible says if we commit our ways, our plans to the Lord, then we'll, be, we'll succeed. And so we're looking forward to that. We're gonna have a great time. And you know, again, it, when it comes to living this type of a life where we, where we do look to become all that we can be, I believe that a lot of us struggle and we're challenged uh, in the two extremes of living kind of an ordered life it, when it comes to really setting those goals and really having dreams and, and living the kind of life that's strategic and intentional. And I think probably... You know, the two, one extreme is are people who, who are very driven and strategic and they spend a lot of time evaluating and assessing and they just drive and push and, and they schedule and set goals and plans. And, and, and again, they, they create for themselves such a lifestyle, such a, 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 a press constantly that they, that they create an unsustainable life. And they may achieve some of their goals along the way. There may be some good things that happen, some of their, some of their uh, things are, are they find success in, but there's a cost to that in that unsustainable life. There's a cost in their relationships. So often there's a cost even in our, in our health and our emotional and physical and even mental health sometimes. There's a price to be paid for that. And then I think on the other end of the extreme, the other end of the spectrum are people who they have Hopes and dreams, and they set goals, and there are things that they want to accomplish in their life. But they tend to tend to live kind of overwhelmed with this sense of being at loss. They can't quite get any momentum. They can't quite get any traction moving towards the things that God has for them. And, and and if it goes too far, and it, it and they find themselves really kind of in a despondent place where things aren't coming together, their their lives become filled with excuses and obstacles that become excuses. And if not dealt with, those things can lead to feeling like feeling depressed or anxious. And and but I believe that in between those two extremes, the Bible describes a life of faith, a walk of faith, that as we press into the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's a pace of peace that God has designed for us, that in it, as we walk with him in it, and, and again, this is not a don't play, make goals and, don't, and just sit around and wait on God, but as we w- learn to walk with God in a pace of peace, all of his purposes are fulfilled uh, in our lives. And I think that, that there is a, there's, a, there's a place for us in that as we learn to walk in that pace of peace. the presence of God that results in a yielded and a restful life. And here's the greatest part of that, is that as we learn to walk in this place, as we learn to walk with the Spirit of God in this place, that the result are accomplishments and successes and achievements and significance that's, that's beyond, that eclipses what we could ever accomplish in our own strength, in our own giftedness, in our own resources, in our own efforts that God, as he works through us by his presence, is able to truly do exceeding and abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine according to the power that's at work uh, within us. Most of you guys have heard my story, but you know, I grew up in a Christian home and uh, my parents were godly, wonderful people, pastors and just, but I didn't come to faith until I was in my early 20s in the army. And and so growing up, I thought, you know, Christianity, the Christian life was just hard. I, I mean, it just seemed complicated and difficult, all about rules and regulations, don't do's and don'ts, things that you had to do, things that you couldn't do. And I just wasn't good at that. Sin, on the other hand, seemed easy. Can I get a witness? I mean, come on. I I remember I was a teenager. I heard a guy giving his testimony one time, and he said, you know, before I was a Christian, I used to struggle with sin. And I was like, struggle? He must be doing it wrong. (laughs) It's easy. I mean, sin is easy. Christianity is hard. Can you, you guys know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and so it, we, sometimes we feel like that that, that, that that we have this impression that it's hard to be a Christian. Well, let me let you in on a little secret. Being a Christian is not hard. It's impossible. Now let me qualify that now that I have your attention. <laughs> it is impossible for any one person to, to fulfill all that God has for them to walk in all of God's purposes, to see the impact that God's designed your life to have in your, own, in your own strength and on your own. It's impossible. No one can do it. But the good news is, the good news is, and, and I, again, I know, that, I know that everybody says they know that, they understand that, they believe that, yet most of us live as though it all depends on us. Regardless of what we say we believe, we strive and we press and we push as though it all depends on us or we live under this tremendous weight of guilt and shame because we know that we're not quite measuring up. You with me? The good news is though that the Bible teaches that there is a pace, there is a place for us. There's a, there's a life for us that we can live that results in God's purposes being accomplished. Our best coming uh, from our lives and God's plan being fully accomplished. Now, not long after I was saved, um, I, was, uh, I, I gave my heart to Christ in February of 1990. To, like I told you a minute ago, it was right after, you know, not, just a couple months after Christmas Eve service, and God really did a powerful work in my life. And uh, not long after that happened, I really began to wrestle uh, with this idea that there was supposed, I knew in my heart that there was supposed to be. Uh, a pace. There was supposed to be this lifestyle, this sustainable life of God's purposes being accomplished in me, and that there was supposed to be this joy and peace and 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 a, just a flow of life that was happening. But but I wasn't wired like that, so I really struggled with that because my personality, my wiring was just to fight and strive and kick and make things happen. And if the doors weren't opening fast enough, I'd kick them open myself. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, I, and, I, and I, was, I lived like that. I was just driven and striving uh, for the purposes of God to be a, accomplished in my life. And then one day, I ran across this passage of these words in red in Matthew chapter 11. And I'm going to read these to you real quick. And when, when I read this the first time, I thought, man, you know what? I must be doing it wrong. Because this is what Jesus said. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Say it, rest. Amen. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find, there it is again, say it, rest for your souls. For my yoke is, everybody say it, easy, and my burden is light. It's funny how sometimes you read the truth, and it's right in front of you in black and white, but for some reason it just doesn't click. For some reason, and, and, and for me, it just didn't click right then. I was looking at the words, in black and white. In that, this case, it was red and white. But for almost 20 years after that, after I, was, I wrestled with this idea for almost 20 years, and, and I just kept pressing and pushing and continuing to make, try to make things happen. And the, and the bottom line was I was controlled by the fear of failure, the fear of being looked over or passed over, the fear of not fulfilling god's purposes in my life and not measuring up and life wasn't coming together for me the way i thought it was going to go into. the way i had envisioned it. it wasn't just wasn't happening for me and so i was pushing and striving and and i began to vacillate between anxiety and fear and striving and giving up and i literally got to the place of anxiety and, and wrestled with depression where i felt like i was i just needed to quit because i was i just was it wasn't happening and at twice I tried to leave the ministry twice. I said, you know what, this can't, I gotta be, this, this can't, something's not right. And, and after nearly 20 years, I decided, you know what, I need, to get some, I need to get some truth on this deal. I need to figure out what did Jesus mean when he said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And after, after again, almost 20 years of wrestling with this thing, I decided I'm gonna get some Some truth in this, and this is what I want to talk to you about today. So I want to take a look at this passage again, Matthew chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, take out your notes, follow along, and uh, we're going to talk about really what did Jesus mean when he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let's read this passage one more time, Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 28. This is what he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. How many of you think in 2019 it'd be a good thing to have a rested soul? Amen. And then he says, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, in this passage, Jesus, contextually, he's addressing some of the questions that have arisen about who he is. Are you really the Christ? Why is your teaching so much different than the other teachers that we hear? What's so different about you? And Jesus responds by saying, hey, my, my version is going to be different. My yoke is not like the yokes that you've heard before. And in, in answering the, in this metaphor of a yoke, there's really two different things going on in here. First of all, uh, Jesus, of course, in, in 2,000 years ago in, in, in the nation of Israel was in an agrarian an, or an agricultural society. There was a cultural, uh, agriculture was the normal means. That's the way they, they, they made their livings for the most part. And so he was... First, the first part of this metaphor is that he's talking about an actual physical yoke. Now, a yoke is, is an implement that is used to, to harness animals together, beasts of burden, so that they can carry a load that's more, than one, that's more than just one of them can handle alone. I think we have a picture of a yoke. Here, yeah. So, so here's a. This is an actual uh, yoke that's very similar to what would have been used at this time. This kind of a yoke is designed for two animals of similar size. For, specifically, this would be for more of like an oxen type of a yoke, a larger animal. And those things are designed to put two animals side by side so that they can bear a burden that's larger than either one of them can get, carry on their own. Uh, it's very specific. And what Jesus was saying is, I'm, I have there. There's there is a, a specific uh, element to what I'm teaching and what I'm saying is that I want to partner with you. There's a, there is a, uh, the, 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 the weight of life is more than you can bear alone, but I've got good news. I mean, we're going to get into that in just a minute. And so I think I have another picture, I, and this is important because I want to I come to this in a few minutes. This is a, a type of a yoke. It's actually, it's actually called a collar or a horse collar. Uh, you may have, I, I grew up in the country. Is that Okay. You all with me? I'm going to use some country stuff today. Is that good? But the bottom line is, this is normally what you would see like in a horse or a donkey or a mule, uh, either alone or with another animal. And, and they, those are made to be worn individually. They can be connected together, but they're made to be worn uh, individually. And so, again, that'll be important in just a minute. And then one more picture. I think I've got a picture of uh, a couple of oxen pulling together in a yoke. There you go. So that's how it works. So you've got these two big... Ox and they're hooked up and they're hauling a load and working hard together. So that's the picture, the metaphor that Jesus is using when he says my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying my method of carrying the burden is easier than what you've been accustomed to. Now the other Part. The other half of this metaphor is actually that in Jesus' day, and even currently in uh, some Jewish writing, they refer to rabbis of old who had what they call a yoke. So every rabbi in Jewish culture was known by uh, their yoke. Their yoke was actually the way they taught the law, it's their perspective of how the law and the prophets and the Torah were, were most accurately fulfilled. For instance, a, a rabbi could have a, a yoke of love. And so if a rabbi's yoke was love, that then that meant that his teaching infers that the best way to fulfill the law and fulfill the Word of God was to love other people and to love God. Maybe he had a servant yoke. So so the best way to fulfill the law would be to serve other people. Some rabbis would have maybe a, a works yoke. You tracking with me? Does that make sense? But look, this is the best way to understand it. When Jesus talks about a yoke and a burden, your burden is what you carry. Think about it like this. Your burden is what you're carrying. Your yoke is how you carry it. Tracking? Everybody with me? I know we're kind of, look, I know it's a week between Christmas and New Year's, and we're supposed to just be relaxing. We've all got carb comas going on from all the food we've been eating. But we're going to think just a little bit, okay? So your burden is what you carry. Your yoke is how you carry it. It's how you carry it. So your burden is, involves every every. Thing that life requires of you, your responsibilities, your relationships, the demands of life. Every time when you wake up in the morning, the first thoughts that throw themselves at you, that's your burden. The demands of the day, the stuff that you're gonna be required to do and fulfill and be a part of and commit to, those are your burdens, right? You track it with me? And and so Jesus is saying, My burden is light, but he also said his yoke was easy. Now, your yoke, let, let me back up. Your burden can either make you feel weighed down and heavy. Or it can make you feel excited. Some people have the perspective of burden that makes them go, hey, it's an opportunity. Those are your glass kind of half full kind of people. You with me? So your, your, your burden is all of those things that life requires. Your yoke is how you approach those things. It's your perspective. It's your attitude. It's the idea that you have about how you're going to handle your relationships uh, how you're going to re- handle your responsibilities, how you're going to handle the demands of your life. And taking Jesus's yoke on you means that you're going to have the right perspective and the right attitude so that you can carry only the burden that Jesus is asking you to carry. That's why when he said, come to me, who, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, he was saying, hey, look, I realize sometimes life is hard. I realize that it's more than you can bear sometimes. So what I'm doing is inviting you to to get out of your yoke and take on my yoke and adjust your burden so that you're only carrying what I'm asking you to carry. And by the way, when you do it my way, Jesus says, you'll have a rested soul. Amen. I'm down with that. So... So first, I want to just take a minute. I want to point out a couple of of characteristics of Jesus's yoke. And then I want to talk to you about how to live and and walk in in the yoke of Jesus. Okay, is that cool? Can we do that? All right. First of all, let me just point a couple things out to you. The number one thing that you need to understand about Jesus's yoke is that you're not alone in it. Jesus's yoke was designed for two. That Jesus' yoke is designed for you and one other. And, and the fact is, is that as alone as you feel sometimes in your yoke, in your life, in the burdens of your life, Jesus did not design your intent for you to ever live like that. Jesus' yoke is designed for the two of you because the fact is, is when we try to live life un- in a yoke by, um, by ourselves, uh, the collar that I showed you a minute ago, that we almost always inevitably wind up feeling overloaded like this guy. Anybody ever felt like this? Yeah, we all get there. Believe me, I've had lots of days like this. Let me tell you, when you get to a place in your life where this is your load, you're not doing it right. This is not how Jesus wants you to live. Amen? (laughs) But here's the other thing. This is, and this is the most powerful thing I may say today, okay? Our partner In Jesus' yoke, remember I'm talking about the characteristics of the yoke of Jesus. Our partner in the yoke of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Jesus' yoke is designed for two because it's designed for you to take on only what the Holy Spirit is joining you in. That's exactly why in John chapter 14, when Jesus was describing the Holy Spirit coming, and he, he said, he used these specific words. Listen to what Jesus said. As he, he's talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit, and he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. And that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. Now, Jesus is talking about the, the person of the Holy Spirit who is promised. And the reason this is important is because the word helper, if you go back to verse 16, let me flip back there real quick. So if you look at this in the, in the original language, this word helper in the Greek is the word parakletos. And the word parakletos literally means one who comes alongside. Jesus says, I'm giving you this yoke because I'm sending the Holy Spirit to come alongside and get in the yoke with you and to pull only the burden that I give you to pull, to carry only the burden that I call you to carry. And listen, how many, I, it does not take a rocket scientist to figure out if the Holy Spirit is in the yoke with you, guess who's doing all the work? Come on. Amen. And, and let me tell you, it's kind of like this. When, when, uh, when we would move, and again, my wife and I figured it out one time, in 28 we're going on 29 years of marriage and 28 years of marriage we've had 19 addresses that is ridiculous no more <laughs> anyway most of those happened early on but the crazy thing is is so it, it, we've moved a lot, okay? And what, was, what would happen was inevitably we'd be moving and we have all this furniture and moving couches and stuff. And the kids, man, what well, I love this about kids. They always want to be right in the middle of everything. You know what I'm saying? And the kids would be like, I want to help. You know, and they'd come running out of these little kids and, and you'd be carrying a sofa or refrigerator or something. And they go, I want to help. And they'd go, come on, you get in here. And they come in and they'd be uh, pushing all that, and the kids. No, that kid ain't carrying that sofa. You know what I'm talking about? But they were given everything they had. But they weren't carrying the sofa. You tracking with me? That's what it's like to be in the yoke with the Holy Spirit. That's what it's like to be in Jesus' yoke, walking with the Holy Spirit. You tracking with me? Now, now that I've got your attention, now that I've said, okay, this sounds like a good deal. Rest in my soul. The Holy Spirit's doing all the pulling. How do I do it? I'm glad you asked. All right, so I want to talk for the rest of our time. I want to talk about how do you walk with the Holy Spirit in the yoke of Jesus, in the yoke of Christ. What was he talking about in this passage? So let me give you three, uh, three keys to walking with the Holy Spirit in the yoke of Jesus. Here's the first one. The first one is you have to cast off your old yoke. The first thing you have to do, and listen, this bottom line is we all have yokes. Everybody has yokes, and I'm talking about egg yolks. That's spelled differently. I know, look, it's different, okay? I had a kid yell that out at me. No, it's different. We all have Different yokes in different areas of our lives. All a yoke is is it's an attitude. It's a thought. It's a perspective. We have yokes that are formed by our past experiences, maybe relational challenges in our lives. Maybe sin patterns have formed yokes or thought processes that affect how we carry life, how we bear the burdens that we have responsibility for in our life. And so we all have, we come into this thing with certain mindsets, certain yokes that are detrimental to our ability to walk with the Holy Spirit and fulfill the call of God in life. And when you're in an old yoke, life is hard because you're alone and you're not doing it right. And you may not even be going the right direction. You just don't know because you're in your, by yourself in the yoke on your own pulling alone. And so the first thing you have to do is say, admit, I have a messed up way of thinking about this situation in my life, about this relationship or this circumstance in my life. God, I, I'm, I, I'm in an old yoke, an old mindset, an old perspective that's not healthy or helpful. And I need help getting out of it. And let me tell you, some of our yokes are expectations that are put on us by, old, by other people. Some of us are bearing yokes that, are, that somebody else put on us. And, and, and the only way to, to recognize these old mindsets is to be in the word of God and around godly people. When you get around godly people and you get in the word and you begin to realize that the truth of God's word is jumping off the page and you go, my life doesn't look like that. Something needs to change. That's what happened to me. I, I read, "My yoke is easy, my burden light." I said, "Not for me. That's not working. I got to figure this out." And you go, "God, I need help." And 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 you know, you may say, "Well, Pastor Dave, you may be here today and they have a yoke that's a, an addiction or a habit that it's just controlled you forever." And you may say, "Well, Pastor Dave, I've tried over and over and I can't get it off." Listen, don't overcomplicate this. The first step in getting an old, casting off an old yoke is acknowledging you have it. But the second one is, is humbling yourself and saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need help to get out of this yoke. And, and let me just say, God will not do for us what we can insist on striving to do for ourselves. God's not, God is not a helicopter parent. He he waits for you to say, I need your help. Remember Pastor Steve a couple weeks ago was talking about, he told the story about the little boy that was trying to lift a stone. And, the, and, and he told his son, he said, son, you haven't, he said, Dad, I can't do it. He said, I haven't, you haven't, you haven't tried everything, every resource you have. He said, Dad, I'm trying as hard as I can. I'm doing a, I can't get. No, you haven't asked me. And let me tell you, sometimes we are stuck in old yokes, old mindsets, old perspectives, old thought patterns, and and we're doing everything we can do to get out of them, but we've never said, God, I can't do this. Help me. I need you. Because the Bible says in James chapter four that God gives greater grace, and therefore it says, but God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble, this is such an important passage when it comes to getting out of old mindsets because that, what that verse literally means is that God's going to show up Himself. He's going to give you Himself. He's going to break through with power. The Holy Spirit is going to give you the power to take off those old mindsets and begin to renew your mind by His Word and get established new perspective, new yokes, the yoke of Jesus in your life if you'll just ask Him to do it. We've got to, we've got we've got to cast off our old yokes. The second thing that we have to do to walk in the yoke of Jesus with the Holy Spirit is to take on Jesus' yoke and leave it on. We gotta take on Jesus' yoke and leave it on. Now, this may seem overly simplistic, but this is where the battle really lies. This is where the difficulty really comes for most of us because the fact is, is that once we've been born again and we've cast off our old yokes, Jesus is inviting us to take on his yoke and to partner with the Holy Spirit to live the life that God's created for us to live out the fullness of our new life in Christ. And it's exciting and it's powerful, but it's only possible in partnership with the Holy Spirit. It happens moment by moment of every day. It happens the first thing when we wake up in the morning, when the life comes rushing at you. And and instead of falling into the trap of getting into old thought patterns and old worries and anxiety and depression, instead of falling into that, you just stop and say, nope, today, Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you, come. Let's get this yoke on and live life in the peaceful presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's, and it's a moment-by-moment moment decision, day after day. I love Galatians chapter five. The whole chapter is, talks about this, but the, verse one, he opens it up by saying, it was for freedom's sake that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Paul's reminding us, resist the temptation to slip into that old mindset to, to take, to get out of the yoke of Christ and, and get back into our old mindsets and yokes. And listen, guys, if you can get this picture that I'm painting for you right now, this will make a difference in how you live your life every day. Because once you realize that it, you, don't, you can be tempted in the yoke of Christ, temptation comes. Temptation comes and it attacks you and it and those those thoughts and those demonic suggestions comes and those 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 information and the the, the signals come to your to your senses and you're tempted to fall. But let me tell you, you if, if when you're in the yoke of Jesus with the Holy Spirit walking alongside of you and you're going through your life and temptations comes, the Holy Spirit is right there to empower you to stay put. To keep moving forward. Because here's what happens. It's a process. If you decide that you're going to fall into temptation, you have to choose first to take off the yoke of Jesus. To step out of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You have to decide to do that. And then you have to decide to put on that old mindset, that old yoke, and to step into this sin or temptation, whatever it is that you're being drawn into. And if you can recognize the triggers, the tricks that the enemy uses to try to trick you into breaking fellowship and moving in back into your old yoke, you can say, nope, I'm, I'm in this with the Holy Spirit. We are, we are pulling this load and we're happening. Let me tell you, most of the time, the reason that people that I know that, that have a, a holy lifestyle that don't fall into habitual sin is because they're too busy doing Jesus's work to fall into old thought patterns. And Look, let me just say, tell you, amen, that's worth clapping over. And I'm gonna tell you this. I'm still figuring this out. It's not that I never sin, have bad attitudes, melt down, go crazy, say stupid things, do dumb things. It's not that, but I will tell you this, that most of the time I'm so focused on doing what God has called me to do, on walking in the spirit, on being in the presence of God, on watching what I'm hearing and listening to and putting my eyes on that I don't have time to fall back into old patterns of thinking. Are you with me? Whew. I hope this is helping somebody. Look, here's the verse that I depend on. This is the verse I depend on. If you just keep going, reading through Galatians 5, verse 16, this is what Paul says. He says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Yes, he's saying exactly what you think he's saying. It's impossible to walk with the Holy Spirit in the yoke of Christ and fall into sinful patterns to fulfill the desires of your flesh. You have to go through this process of, of stepping away from fellowship and putting on an old mindset to fall into these temptations. And if you can recognize when it's coming, the Holy Spirit will give you the power to stay close to him. That's what grace is. It's God's power coming close. Now, one more thought on this and then we'll go to the last point. In verse 25 of Galatians 5, and I love this passage, and you've probably heard me talk about this before because it means so much to me. It says, if we, Paul says, he's, talking, he's still talking about the Spirit-led life, that walking with the Holy Spirit in the yoke of Jesus. And this is what he says. If we walk by the Spirit, if we live by the Spirit, let us also, everybody say it, walk by the Holy Spirit. One more time. If we live by the Spirit, let us also say it, walk by the Spirit by the spirit. Now, the word walk in the in the original language here is actually a word for cadence and it, what it means is it's a it's a, it's a it's a reference to a military column walking in rows in formation. And and what the, what Paul is saying is that if we w- going, if we want to walk with the spirit, we have to walk according to the cadence that's being called by the Holy Spirit. Now, I was in the army so I've done quite a bit of this, okay? When you're walking in formation, one person is determining the pace and the direction of your travel one person is determining the pace and the direction of your travel in this case it's the holy spirit now what that presupposes is that we know how to hear the voice of the holy spirit throughout our day and we're about to spend six weeks in January and February talking about how to know when we're hearing God's voice. Let me tell you, if, there's another, if there is a motivation to understand and hear God's voice clearly and to get here for above the noise, this is it. Because if we, walk, if we recognize that the, the ability to walk with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' yoke is dependent upon our ability to hear his voice, we need to do everything we can to clear the channel and get a clear signal on what God is saying to us in our lives. Amen? How many of you are interested in that? In other words, at the end of the day, when you're walking in the Spirit, when you're walking with the Holy Spirit in the yoke of Christ, at the end of the day, you don't have to worry about the things that did not get done, about every other thing that you wanted to do because you know that you did everything and you went everywhere and as fast and as far as you needed to go because you listened to the cadence that was being called by the Holy Spirit throughout your day. Amen? Last thing, number three, and that is we have to live and work from a posture of rest. Now, this is the motivation that will empower us to do one and two. Yes, we need to cast off all yokes. Yes, we need to, we need to walk with the Holy Spirit in the yoke of Jesus. But we also need to be able to learn how to l- work and and live from a posture of rest. Now, that sounds crazy. How, how do you work and rest at the same time? Well, I'm glad you asked. So let's talk about this for a second. We are created for work. There's no doubt. This, is, this, is, this point is not advocating laziness or not working hard. This, this is about learning what God meant when he gave us work and purpose. And so let me just, let me just sum this up for you. And I'm gonna go back to the Genesis chapter one and two to, to, to illustrate this point for you. But God's intention from the very beginning was that we are designed to walk with him in fellowship and to work and to live from a posture of his rest. In the beginning, in Gen- Genesis chapter one, it says that God created everything that is in six days, right? Everything that happened, happened. On the sixth day, God created mankind, all living creatures and man and woman all happened on the sixth day, right? And then the Bible says on the seventh day, God rested. Is that right? I'll track it with me. I'm not reading it with you for the sake of time, but I want to look at one passage from, uh, from chapter 2 of Genesis, verses 1 through th- 3. But previous to this, the Bible says that God created Adam and Eve on the sixth day, of mankind, on the sixth day, gave them responsibility, relationships, context, all of those things that they needed for their lives. But then it says in Genesis chapter 2, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because he rested from all his work in which God had created and made. Now, it, it, I want you to just track with me for a second, okay? This is, this is so important. And if you, if you don't get anything else that I'm saying to you, if you can get this, the rest of it will begin to make sense. God made mankind on what day? Sixth day, that's right, on the sixth day. On the seventh day, God rested. Remember, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Steve told us, not because he was tired, but to model this posture of restedness. Now, think about it, okay? Adam and Eve made, place in the garden, given a job, responsibility. Adam shows up day one, first day on the job, excited, ready to go and get, make it happen. Gonna do, fulfill the purposes of God for his life, Right? Well, the deal is, is that day one for Adam was day seven for God, which meant God was what? Resting. Adam's first day on the job was a day off. You tracking with me? Do I need to say it slower? Adam's Now, what is the point? Pastor Dave, Adam shows up and God says, nope, we're gonna take a day off. Yeah, that's exactly right. Why? Because God was establishing as a precedent both for mankind and for Adam's sake of being, that, the, that he was going to labor, but he was going to start by resting and putting his confidence in God so that he couldn't take credit for anything that happened after that. Because God said, this day is set apart as holy for you to rest. In other words, I want you to live your life from a posture of my presence depending on me take that sabbath day that day of rest and draw close to me let's have fellowship and then when you enter into your labor and you enter into life and you enter into the burden that jesus is calling you to bear you're doing it from a posture of restedness from fellowship with god from partnership with the holy spirit you're not taking credit for anything you're just partnering with the holy spirit he's carrying the load are you with me But the problem is, is when we neglect rest, when we neglect Sabbath, when we neglect the presence of God in our lives, we start striving and striving and we're working to the weekend. Everybody's working for the weekend and trying to get from that, man, I'm exhausted. If I can just make it to Saturday, come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That God never designed us to work like this. He designed us to work from rest, not to it. He designed us to work from a posture of a rested soul with Sabbath, with a Sabbath's heart that's, that's committed to God's presence and fellowship with God so that we're utterly and completely dependent upon Him for every area of our lives, for every part of who we are. And, and when, we can, when God can trust us because he knows that we're, we're endeavoring to, to encounter his presence and experience him in a personal and real way, and we won't take credit for what happens past that, anything is possible. God can do anything through the life of a person that he can trust because he knows they're spending time in his presence and they have a rested soul and not a frenetic and anxious soul. Amen? Now, I believe 2019 is going to be our greatest year yet. Amen? And I believe that there are some things happening and going to take place in 2019 that are going to blow us away. When we look back at 2019, we're going to just be in awe of what God has done through this family. But I want to encourage you that. In order to do and be and to walk with God in all of this, we have to learn how to live at a pace of peace that's dictated to us, that the, that's responsive to the cadence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As we cultivate that and hear his voice and respond to his voice. Amen. Anybody interested in that? at all our campuses i'm going to ask the campus pastors to join me on the stage right now i'm going to ask you to stand here at the little creek campus i'm going to pray for you and um and let you go our prayer team's coming they're going to be here for you after service if you need prayer for anything hey let me say this i do believe our best days are ahead but whether or not we walk in them and experience all god has for us depends on whether or not we learn to to live at this pace of peace amen father we thank you for your presence for your love for us god for the fact that you designed this thing to work in a, in a way that really is best for us. It benefits us, Lord. It, 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 it elongates our experience, God. We can thrive and flourish in it because we're not being driven and impressed by our own anxiety and fear, but thriving in your presence. And we can live with a rested peace knowing that we're only carrying what you've called us to get. We're only carrying the burden that you asked us to. And we're doing it in partnership with your spirit. Holy Spirit, come, have your way in us. We look to you and give you glory and honor in everything that you have for us and all that you want to do in and through our lives in this coming season. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. We love you guys.